This episode of the Married with Board Games podcast is brought to you by our friends at Unbox Boredom, a subscription board game service. Use the coupon code MARRIED at checkout for $10 off any new subscription. Sign up today at unboxboredom.com. That's unbox, B-O-A-R-D-O-M.com. We also want to thank our sponsor, Minion Games, publisher of the Manhattan Project Energy Empire. Harness the Earth's resources, develop your economy, and manage your environmental impact. Learn more about the Dice Tower's number three game of 2016 by clicking on the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to present to you your hosts for the Married with Board Games podcast, Spencer and Laura Williams. Hey there, everyone. I'm Spencer. I'm Laura. And this is the Married with Board Games podcast. Welcome to episode number 17. Wow. Yeah, we're moving right along. Um, you know what? I have a, a, a fun announcement, kind of, before we even get into our announcements mm-hmm. on that note. So we're, our, we're, our big number, next big number is 20. Mm-hmm. And for number 20, episode 20, we're going to introduce a new segment. Yes. Now. So exciting. It we're is exciting. teasing it. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're giving you a little tease right now. Um, now, it's not going to be one that's every week because of the production that goes into it. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking we could do it every other week. And if you like... Well, our podcast is every other week. Okay, so every other podcast. Sorry. Okay. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if you like movies, if you like parodies, if you like humor, you're really going to like this. And obviously you like board games. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you like cheesy acting, um, you're really going (laughs) to like this. So um, we'll... Hopefully you didn't give too much away there. No, I think that's plenty. So... Uh, look forward to that. We're so excited. We've already started working on it and, um, just wait for episode 20 to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is episode 17 and the topic for this episode is our top large group games. Yeah. And so Laura. Because we spend a lot of time talking about good games as a married couple to play together. Right. And not only that, but even even just like a as a group of four. Yeah, yeah. Like another couple or something. Yeah. So we thought, you know, it'd be a good opportunity to to explore the higher player counts. And yeah. and for us that's that's five and up in this case. So later on after uh after we talk about some games and our game night grub segment, we'll tell you our favorite large group games. So stick around for that. Uh but now let's start with some announcements. I want to go first. Okay. I'll go with number one, and you can do number two. Got it. So first of all, um, the Dice Tower Awards nominees have just been announced. Yeah. Uh, that came out on Monday. And uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to vote in those. And um, it was really neat to be a part of the process. And, um, you know, there was over 70 different content creators for board games, so that's bloggers. And they're not all in the Dice Tower network either. Oh, this is yeah. all across... Uh, board game media mm-hmm. are voting on these awards and um so the finalists have been narrowed down to about five in each category except for game of the year so it's like the oscars i guess <laughs> um and so uh, if you want to see what the nominees are uh, we shared it on our social media pages on on facebook and on twitter but you can also go to dicetowerawards.com and see the list of nominees um so that's exciting and then you know the 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 finalists the actual winners will be announced at Dice Tower Con, which we'll be present for. So that'll be a lot of fun to be able to be there at the awards ceremony. Mm -hmm. So really cool. All right, so that's Dice Tower Awards. What have you got? Okay, so we talked about we did a live play. We were going to do a live playthrough Mm -hmm. 
for um, International Tabletop Day. Yeah. And, you know, we we talked about how we've been saying we would do this for a while, and it's just never come to fruition. But everything fell just right that we were able to do this. And we let you guys vote on what game we would play on our social media platforms. Um, was it mostly just Twitter? Mostly Twitter. Um, but we did post it on Facebook, and there, we had a few there. Okay, cool. Yeah. But um, the overall choice was Above and Below from Red Raven Games. Mm-hmm. So we we played that. It was a fairly quick game. Yeah. I mean, it is a quick game. Yeah, it's only seven seven rounds, I believe. Yeah, and um, so it only took about an hour, and we streamed all of it, and it is up and available for you to see on our YouTube page. So um, if you just want to see what it's like for Spencer and I to play a board game together, or if you're curious about the gameplay and yeah. the rules of Above and Below, uh, go check that out. Maybe that will help answer some questions. Yeah, um, in... We really liked the experience. It was a lot of fun. We had people chatting with us, so we got to answer their questions as we uh, played. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely a positive enough experience for us to want to do it again. Um, So I don't know when. (laughs) Um, But if you have any suggestions or requests, maybe for us to play next time, um, let us know. And, uh, of course, we'll give plenty of notice the next time we do that. So that's announcements. Yep, I don't have anything else. Me neither. Let's get into some games. Okay. Okay, so we just did a Kickstarter preview for this game called Underleague. Now, um, it is live on Kickstarter, and this is a really great game. Um, it's, it's like, it's kind of like along the realm of, of, of magic, the gathering where you have a deck of cards and, and you're using it to fight each other. But the premises you, in this case, you're, you're fighting these creatures in these pit battles. Yeah. Like the way that you described it, instead of it being like magic, you thought it was a little like Pokemon. Yeah. It, it really did kind of feel like, you know, adult version of Pokemon. Cause you, you can kind of train these creatures in a sense and you can put like equipment on them and and then you send them out into these battles Mm -hmm. and then you can bet on them and um depending on if you win or lose the bet affects how many cards you get the next round to be able to play right i found it very refreshing especially that betting aspect was was very new and and really appealing to me Mm -hmm. and and i'm really sad because we really liked the game the artwork is fantastic on it. Yeah. Very, very high quality. And it's not getting a lot of of love on Kickstarter right now. I don't know why. I don't know. I think there are just some higher profile uh, Kickstarter campaigns that are... There's some stuff that just went live recently. I yeah. mean, you know, like horrible games. Yeah, the Alone game. Yeah, that looks really cool. Like that, that might just kind of be stealing the limelight right yeah. now. But um, we really encourage people to go check out our review. Mm-hmm. However, we we say it in the review... And we mean it. The product that we show is by far not the finished product that you receive when you back the game, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, The again, the the final artwork, the graphic design, the components, everything is just a million times better than, than the prototype we got to try out. Yes, it was a prototype, yeah. bare bones prototype. So if if that's the kind of thing that sells you... You definitely need to go straight to the Kickstarter mm-hmm. page and yeah. look at those things because we didn't have those. Right. So yeah, go to the Kickstarter page. You'll see all the finished or the or at least the the mockups of what the game's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we really enjoyed this one. It makes a great 
you can play it up to it's two to five players, but for us it makes a great dueling game. You know, one on one, very very well balanced, I think, and, and we really enjoyed it. So if that sounds like your kind of thing, check it out. That's Under League from Cogwright Games. Also, we just sent another review to the Dice Tower, and that will be going up next uh, next oh. week. A week from the publish of this episode. Okay. So the cool. 17th of May. Awesome. And uh, that game is a little darling <laughs> <laughs> called Bulls and Bears. So I know that the the whole idea of a stock market themed board game is nothing new. I played Pit before. Have you played Pit? I played with a little bell. Oh, you just the bell. My granny you didn't actually had, play the game. No, my granny, yes, my granny had a copy of Pit, and as a little boy, I remember just ding, 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 ding. I'm sure the family loved that. <laughs> they did. They <laughs> threw me in the pit for doing it. <laughs> well, um, I had played Pit before, and and unfortunately, that was the only preconceived notion that I had going into this game. And this is nothing like Pit. Um, this is a um, is it two to four players? No, it's more. Two to six. Two to six. Um, this is a roll and move game. So uh, the board does look a whole lot like Monopoly. Um, but there are things that are different about it that it's not so much a real estate game. This is about um, the stock market and finance. And I think the core of this game was to educate. It's definitely the intention. It's to It's an educational game. It's to teach people about the stock market is to teach them how to do, you know, invest, invest, exactly. How to research, diversify your portfolio. Yes. All these adulty things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. This, it, it's a game, but at the same time, again, it was, its intent was to educate. And it sure did. Cause I, I tell you, you definitely will need to check out our review, but I can just give you a little preview, right? Preview of our review. Mm, Yeah. Right now by saying I am not, (laughs) minded that way and um so that scared me going into this game but i really enjoyed playing it it, and i'm still so surprised by that it's funny like every five minutes i would say you know i i really am enjoying this i can't believe that i know yeah and you know you're right you don't or at least me some people might find that theme you know fun but me i did not expect to enjoy this game going in Mm mm-hmm and um, I was very surprised. And, and I feel like I learned something. No, I, I agree totally with you. Yeah. And so kudos to the company that, that puts this game out. I really do think that this is not an, ed, you know, an educational game that's like, you know, learn, 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 learn. Like really sterile. Right. You learn by having fun. Mm-hmm. And the way that happens is, you know, you are, like you said, you are, you, you're reacting to news events. To buy, you know, you have to make a choice. Okay, what should I buy or sell here? What stocks should I invest in? Mm-hmm. Which stock market do I need to, to invest in? Do I? Yeah, all based on like a headline. Yes, or should I get some gold? Should I invest in the yen? Mm-hmm. You know, all like you said, all based on this news event. And then, then you flip over the card and it tells you exactly what that would mean to these different um stocks and um and bonds mm-hmm. and things like that and then it tells you so 
all stocks lose this much money. Yeah. And if you invested in the Dow Jones, you lose this much more money. Right. But gold, you gain $5,000. Different things like that. It's mm-hmm. really fun and interesting. It's very interesting to see how something that seems completely unrelated affects, you know, different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we found ourselves saying, well, surely this is not the right answer. And then we'd go... We were totally wrong, and don't call me Shirley. Yes, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what would happen. Um, um, but it was that was really neat. Yeah, I don't know how the hardcore board gamers are going to feel about it. This is something else we talk about in the review that um, you know we are used to a specific end game, and this do, this is hard to get right. this end game. So, and which is the same in. I know they probably don't enjoy this comparison, but I'm going to compare it to Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, It's hard to reach that end game, and usually people just go, all right, one more turn, and then whoever has the most money wins. Right. And that's what it ended up being with this game of we were trying so hard and thinking maybe on this turn we can one of us can get it, and it was just so hard to attain that we finally just went whoever has the most net worth wins. Right. So for those listening, what is the end game? Like how do you how does the game end with if you don't implement a time limit? You have to have doubled your money, which you start out the game with one hundred thousand dollars. Right. So and you it, have to end the game with two hundred thousand dollars. And it's not just cash, it's also all of your investments well, to yes, add it up. True. Yeah. Your net worth. Your net worth. You have to have purchased a home, you have to have purchased health insurance, you have to purchase property insurance, and you have to get a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. But the only way to get those is to land on one particular square. Yeah. So each one of those, you have, like you said, they're all in, are spread out around the board. Mm-hmm. And you have to roll and land on those. Yes. But if you don't roll to land on those, you can't get them. It, no. I There was probably about four rounds in a row. Every time I rolled, I landed on wild. <laughs> yeah. And... You know, you only ever got one of those things. I ended up with three of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean... But man, we, I had a ton you had a lot of, money. of money. Yeah, we had to implement a time limit on that one. Um, so that is that is a thing that, that we didn't particularly enjoy. But the thing that I enjoyed was it does have an en- engine building aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So there are spaces where you um, collect your dividends. Yes. Um, and so what you do is you um, look at all of the things you've invested in and you collect a percentage uh, what you paid up for those each time. Mm-hmm. And so the more you invest, then the more you diversify. Now, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This sounds super mathy. Okay. Well, in practice, it's not, though. Right. Because? Because everything, each investment is... Each share. Each share is $10,000. And so when you see something that says 5%, all you do is just add two zeros to it, and that's how much money you're going to get for it. Right. So, yeah, $500. Uh, 5% of 10000 is $500. Mm-hmm. And so the more you, you diversify, the more you invest, the more you spread out your portfolio, the more money you get. And then you get more money, and then you can buy more. And then you get more money, and you can buy more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got this great snowball effect. But if you never land on those squares to buy the things that you're supposed to end the game with, it's like Scrooge. What good is all this money sitting mm-hmm. here? I need to... I mean, I, I wanted to spend it so bad. I just could not land on those squares. Yeah. But so that, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, for a more detailed review, you can watch our review next week. <laughs> um, yeah, just keep your eye on the Dice Tower, and that'll pop up in about a week or so. Yeah, anything else you want to say about it? Um, 
again, I was surprised at how fun it was. It was a lot of fun. It really was. Yeah. So that's Bowls and Bears. Next um, is a game that I previously talked about on our top, our favorite cooperative games list. And Laura had not yet played this, but she's finally gotten around to playing it. Yeah. And that is Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island, second edition from Portal Games. Um, This one is you are some castaways on an island. Now, there are several different scenarios. I think there are seven that you can play. The objectives are different for each one. Okay, so let me real quick just say, if there are people out there who read Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe, no, this game is nothing like the novel. Is he related to Willem? Stop it, you. Defoe. Willem. The friend. <laughs> um, obviously, the fact that he just said castaways, plural, mm-hmm. <laughs> should tell you this is not like the novel. So please don't go in thinking... Um, that you were playing the novel. Like, I know that they made the Ken Follett novels like Pillars of the Earth and um, things like that into board games. This is not like... I don't even know why they took the name Robinson Crusoe, but they did. Um, I, I think there's... Because you said there's one scenario that has some cannibals in it, yeah. right? So that's well, about you the closest also, you're going to get. You also can play with Friday and a dog. Okay. Yeah, but, but that's only if you're playing two-player. Yeah, but so anyway. then that's... So I just have to put in that little caveat there. All right. So for those that like books, that's there for you. <laughs> um, so Robinson Crusoe is a cooperative game. Uh, you've you've crash landed on this island, and essentially, in this uh, starting scenario, you need to survive, and you need to build a wood pile, and you need to light it on fire. Yeah, because it's like your signal fire. Yeah. And so you have and several a ship rounds. That's going to be coming by in like a week or so. Yeah. So you and this one you have twelve rounds, and each round at the end of each round you need to have collected enough food for everybody. You need a shelter, um, and you also need to eventually protect yourself. You need to have a roof to protect yourself against the weather. So those kinds of things are a little dead of wintery, wouldn't you say? You gotta feed everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you see that. Gotta block out the zombies. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Um, but that's about where it ends. Yeah, and so <laughs> similarity <laughs> there. You you're you've got it. There are lots of different things you can do. You can build, so you can build um, inventions like different tools that might help you. You can build a, a shelter. You can build walls. You can build you can up build your weapons. weapons. Yes, you can also explore. So you need to explore around the island to find different tiles that you can gather resources from. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hunt animals. Mm-hmm. You can For food. Yes, <laughs> you. There are events that you have to try to fight. You know. Stop There's a from new happening event every turn. Yeah, there are new events you have to stop from ha- happening, and so you're doing all these things in order to essentially just scrape by. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard enough just to survive, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, you're also having to collect wood in addition to what you need to build things. Yes. You need it to build the wood pile so that you could be rescued. Um, and the neat thing, one of the, one of the things I really like about this game is, so if you resolve a, an event card, say when you go to build something. Oh, you hit your finger when you were hammering, you know, this this tool to, to build. You if don't you necessarily hurt your finger. Yeah, you don't necessarily see the results of that. It's shuffled back into the event deck. 
And then later on, when you draw it, it might be like, oh, your hand is infected. You have to no, take you a... gangrene. Yeah, something like that. So, <laughs> And that kind of thing, as your health depletes, mm-hmm. can deplete overall morale. Yeah, and morale going morale down... Morale going down is terrible. Is really, really bad. <laughs> um, so then somebody can sacrifice in a turn... Instead of building or something, you might need to have somebody go and try to boost up the morale. Right. It but feels then that like takes them away it, from doing those other it things. It feels like such a waste to have someone to do that. But if you don't do it, you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, you're kind of danged if you do, danged if you don't. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I love it. I love <laughs> that aspect to it. It's so hard. I played it as a two-player game with one of my friends. Um, and we beat that, although I'm not sure we were playing 100% correctly. Because... <laughs> uh, from everything that I've heard and, and on our other experiences, it's like almost impossible to win. Right. So it's very fun. Um, again, there's it's one of those that just constantly is beating you on the head with awful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if well, you, and that's so. The first scenario was to build the signal fire. Yeah. What are some of the other scenarios? Ooh, so yeah, that I'm are so excited to try some of these other scenarios. There's one where you're trying to rescue somebody. Like it's like rescue the scientist, I think, and you have to go find him. And then bring him to the shore. Oh my! Um, there's King. There's King Kong Island. Oh my gosh. Which is essentially your play in the movie. I think you have to so go. So you're playing like the production of the movie because you have to protect yeah. the production team mm. while they film. Yes, from King Kong. But they've got to film him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, like you mentioned, there's the cannibal scenario. There's mm-hmm. Volcano Island, I think, that you have to deal like with an exploding volcano. Movie. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm really excited to try those. And I think there are some fan-made scenarios, Isn't too. Isn't there like a... There's not a Swiss Family Robinson scenario, is there? I think there is. Okay. I thought... I think there is. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed this one and enough for it to have, at least currently, taken the place as my number one cooperative game right now. I love the the whole cinematic feel as you go through. And and that's the thing. You have to read the flavor text on these cards or else it's not as fun. Man. Because it tells a story. Yeah. That's that's Portal Games' as, as slogan, board games that tell stories. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like this experience you're all enjoying together. Um, yeah, so I really like it. What, do you have any thoughts to add, Laura? Not really. Um, I mean, you pretty much covered it. Um this game is hard. Yeah. I'm not too aware because, you know, Eldritch Horror is hard. Mm-hmm. But I love that gameplay. Yeah. I'm not quite there yet but I've, with Robinson Crusoe, but I've only played it one time. Right. So maybe another play. Another maybe scenario. Maybe a different scenario mm-hmm. would get me there. But, yeah, I'm not to where it's like a, it's so hard, but I love it kind of thing. <laughs> the other thing, I know this is weird, but... Okay, I, right out of college, I toured with a children's theater based in Missoula, Montana. And um, several of us had, we were given different shows. And the show that I was given was The Amazing Adventures of Robinson Crusoe. Perfect. (laughs) Which again, it even said on our t-shirts, very loosely based on the novel (laughs) by Daniel Defoe. And um, so I think that, I had burnt myself out on just the whole idea of Robinson Crusoe. And we heard them talk about this game on the dice tower. I think it was Eric talked about it once. And I was like, 
yep, sounds about right. Cause he talked about just how difficult it was. And then you wanted it so bad and you got it. And you told again, reiterated how difficult it was. And I was just like, ah, this is just not hyping me up for this. So I just need to shake that stuff off mm -hmm. and then I can get in there. Well, also I need to learn to stop hyping games up and just let you experience them form your own opinions before me telling you how awesome they are. And then me going, yeah, thumbs down. Yeah. In fact, um, our, one of our game night friends has, has gone whole hog with Spencer on mm. the stop hyping it up. And cause I know he loves this game mm. cause he's constantly texting Spencer, but that Robinson Crusoe all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we sat down to the table and he was like, ah, this game's all right. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. He's trying yeah. so hard not to hype it up. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really sweet. And, so, like I say, I just need to get another playthrough. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to where y'all mm -hmm. are for your huge love yeah. for this game. Well, and again, this one is, you know, two to four, or actually one to four. You, you can play it by yourself. Um, but as a two-player game, I really did enjoy it, too. And I think that this would be a fun one. You know, I played it with him. But I think this one would be a fun one for me and you to play. Because, again, it's we're going through these awful situations <laughs> together and we're just bouncing off ideas off each other how do we take care of this mm -hmm. yeah i think this would be a great two-player game too okay we can give that a try all right so that's robinson crusoe from portal games all right and then finally another game we got to get in and i'm so excited that we did <laughs> uh, we saw this back at FallsCon mm -hmm. um in the games library and we saw the original publication of this game yeah which is from the 80s it looked super awesome and we pulled it out and we went uh this is really daunting to try to play in this crowded hall when we have no idea what we're doing so uh we we're like maybe some other time we can try it out um i was lucky enough to get it for my birthday and we finally spencer and i pulled it out the other night and it is sherlock holmes consulting detective yeah and i got the west end adventures and jack the ripper yeah so this is the brand new reprint essentially mm -hmm. and um oh man this was i mean i shouldn't have been so intimidated by it when we when we got it out, well, we just it's, got I shouldn't it out. have been intimidated. It's just that yes, it would be overwhelming to play mm -hmm. in a really loud, crowded <laughs> well, place where you need to be paying attention. Yeah, well, we just got it out and looked at it. I was like, "That's no. a lot of words." Yeah, <laughs> yes, there are a lot of words. <laughs> um, what happens with this game, especially with the new edition, is there are case files in there. There are two that are standalone. There are four that are part of the Jack the Ripper campaign, and then yes. the six are standalone. There are six more? There's a total of ten cases. I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't even know. This is my game. I didn't even know. <laughs> I just thought there was a few. Man, what a... This is awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, thank you, friend, for getting this for my birthday. So, we only... We played the fifth one because numbers one through four are the Jack the Ripper campaign, and if you have never played... Um, Sherlock Holmes consulting detective before, and you need to get this under your belt just to know how to do this. They highly suggest you don't start with the Jack the Ripper campaign. You need to start with just a simple one shot thing. So, um, we started with this one is Dr. Goldfire and, um, you have a case book and a map of London that the way it would have been laid out in the time period that, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock 18, Holmes. 1889. And you also have a directory that has 
um, people's home addresses. It has business addresses, um, different really cool stuff like that. And then you've got your rule book. And what you do is you open up this case file and you start reading. And it is a lot of reading. I think it's about three pages worth of reading. And I mean, nice size pages. Yeah, there's, there's sets up the case, right? Yes, this explains to you what's going on. They've just walked into 221B Baker Street in this or that kind of thing where they present it to Sherlock. Much like if you ever watched like the current BB or the most recent BBC Sherlock, they show up first in his flat and tell him what's going on. And then he starts from there. So you play, um, you're part of Wiggins band and, um, oh yeah, that was something else on the back of the, uh, rule book is the, uh, informants, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A list of informants that each has a specific, title and a function and a function. It tells you what they specialize in, what kind of information you can get from them, which is super cool. Too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you read this story, you can take notes, which we highly recommend you take notes oh, yeah. guys. Cause you don't want to be flipping back through it. Where was that? Where was that? Just write it down. Um, and then you just get set off on your own. It kind of gives you like a hint as to what your first lead would be. And then from that, it's, you got to go find everything else on your own, find your own leads trail them down. So the way that you do that is, um, you might look up a person's name that this, this, uh, person who hired you, your, your client may have said, I think this person's trying to kill me. Okay. Well then you look them up in the directory and you go to their house. And so in that case file book, after the preamble, if, if you will, um, you look up their address in, um, in the case file and you go there and you read that paragraph or several paragraphs mm -hmm. um, below that. And it gives you the information of what happened when you visited that location, whether or not you got to talk to that person, if you got to talk to um, people who work there, different things like that. And um, from there on, you might pick up new leads. Right. And that might lead you to another one, might give you another name that you look up. Right. Or mention a location you might want to go check out. Or you may just feel like I'm at a dead end and you go hit up one of those informants. You can go to Scotland Yard. You can even go to Sherlock. Yeah, if the you thing really need is, help. Yeah, if you really need help and you're going, oh man, I don't know where to go from here, which we did get to that point mm -hmm. once. But if you do that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but I think the book kind of shames you a little bit. And it's well, like, yeah, but it's you're like, going to give away some of the mm -hmm, game that exactly. way. And so, but that's the thing. You are competing against Sherlock. Mm-hmm. You're trying to solve the case um, with Us using... as many leads or less right. than he uses. So <laughs> you you explore as many leads as you want. When you feel like you know the solution to the case. Well, and that's an interesting thing because the the preamble does not set up, doesn't say find this, find this, find this, find this. It just presents you with an enigma. And yeah, so, so you kind of have to come up with your own questions that you need to answer to begin with. It is extremely open-ended, guys, um, which was something neither of us had ever experienced mm -hmm. before. So that was really neat getting to play this game and, and, and experience this. So when you feel like you might know what happened with this case, you go to the back of the book and there are questions for you to answer. And you'll write down your answers to the questions and um, then you'll turn the page 
and Sherlock explains to you what happens, much like he often did mm-hmm. for um, for uh, Watson, or even you know like <laughs> um, on Psych, the way that they would gather everybody to get, or yeah. Monk even mm-hmm. how he would have them have all the suspects gathered together so he could explain what happened, or even like what was it, Death in Paradise that we watched? Yeah. <laughs> gather all the suspects um he will sherlock will explain everything that happened and then it will t- show you how to tally your score and there's like even an envelope in the back of the book that you open this piece of paper and it tells you all the answers the correct answers to the questions how many points you get if you answered them correctly and then it shows you how many leads and what exact leads sherlock used and if you use the same amount or less than however many leads, you get points for that too. And then you total up your score. Do you want to explain what happened? Sure. With ours? I'll explain that we did really poorly. No, <laughs> we, um, we didn't understand that. I mean, we were just going to wait till we got to that point to figure out our score. And so we were just like, okay, um, well maybe if we go to this lead, we'll we find something. We didn't know that there was a, that there was a limited amount of leads that we should follow. Right. Well, and there's not, but if you want a good score, then yeah. So we were like, well, we didn't really get any information from that one. Let's go to try this one. Or let's, let's go try this go one. Let's go to all the leads. Yeah. So we <laughs> went to all the informants pretty much, and maybe the, this person will help me out. So no, what you want is to solve it in the fewest amount of leads as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up going to 22 leads. Yeah. And Sherlock only used six. <laughs> So after we tell even then we did 22 leads and in the course of answering the questions, we got, it went off to the point of like, I don't even know who they're talking about anymore. We are way off base here. I think out of four questions, out of eight questions, we got two right. (laughs) And so our final score was negative 50. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because you don't get points off for missing a question, but you mm. get points off for how many more leads you take than Sherlock. Right, right. So, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much the game. And, um, you, you mentioned, so we'll get into our thoughts on it. Uh, you mentioned about the open-endedness of this and normally I'll be honest, normally I don't like that. I like you having a, a turn structure, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this next round, do this, Mm -hmm. do this, do this, do this. And so, you know, with this, it was kind of like, uh, all it is, is you just floating around each player, pick a lead, you go check it out. Then it passes to the next player. Yeah. And so it was at first it was like it was overwhelming in a weird way that no, there's not a lot of structure to follow. You just go. And but I really like that. Like you said, I really found it refreshing. Um, and it, it does it, it opens the door for so much thought and deduction and trying deduction. yet trying to think like Sherlock does. You well, know? And, and so with deduction, with the map mm-hmm. of having to go, we found a clue that like listed all the locations that this person got a carriage mm-hmm. and what time he got them. Yeah. We had to look at the map and figure out like what route they took. What route he took and, and to see, and even we had to find a location because we had to find, well, he couldn't have been further than this far away because we know that he didn't have enough time to get further away. And so you're having to do all that. And mm-hmm. it was, it was really neat. And, and I'm really excited to check out the other cases um, and especially now that we know how the whole thing works. and But I don't think I'm ready for Jack the Ripper yet. I don't know. No, we only got one done and we did 
terribly, abominably. <laughs> so okay. I would prefer to do a few more just like single cases before we try this oh, four-parter. Did you mention the newspapers too? I didn't. So there are also newspapers that correspond with like the date that this crime happened. And so you can read the newspaper and see what else was happening. Because a lot of times, which what we found was that these seemingly unconnected events that were reported in the newspaper are actually connected to this case. So that's another place where you get your leads from. Is mm-hmm. like if someone's mentioned that they were burglarized, you can go to their house and see what they have to say. Or it could be a red herring. Yeah. And some of those because articles what, have absolutely nothing to do with well, your Well, because case. what happens is the further you go into it, so like say you get to case four, you can refer, because the further you get down, the further in, in time you go. Does that make sense? So like case case five, so we'll ignore the the, the uh, Jack the Ripper cases. Mm-hmm. So they, they go in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So case six happens after case five and case seven act happens after case six. Mm-hmm. So all of those newspapers before that, you can refer to those. Yes. That's why it might seem like a red herring is because they don't apply to this case. Right. But if you get to case seven, it might have something to do with what mm-hmm. happened in case five. Right. So you, you by know, the time you, you get say to that, there is one article from that paper that I'm mm-hmm. thinking it has to do with something later. Yeah. They're so traveling. Like, but think about this. You know, by the time you get to case 10, you've got five different newspapers you got to look through. Mm-hmm. Six. Mm-hmm. Six different So, And they're be... different kinds of newspapers. Like the yeah. one that we had was a police gazette. Mm-hmm. And, and there are going to be some that are, have more social yeah. stuff on them. It's just really cool. It's very thematic, too, because they're old school newspapers. They look like something from the 1800s. And... Complete with illustration. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah, so that's um, I'm I'm so excited to try some more out, and maybe mm-hmm. we'll be showing y'all. We don't want to give away stuff about the game, uh, spoilers or anything, but we will try as best we can to to share on social media about our our gameplay experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective from Space Cowboys and Asmo Day. Now, before we get into Game Night Grub, uh, I want to talk about our sponsor for this podcast, Unbox Boredom. Now, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Unbox Boredom is a subscription board game service that delivers brand new board games directly to your doorstep to keep. And what I really like about Unbox Boredom is unlike other subscription services, Unbox Boredom can really be enjoyed by any type of gamers. They have a wide range of game options from strategy, family, and even party games. Additionally, you can select how often you want to receive games, monthly, bi-monthly, or quarterly. The best part is for every 10 new subscribers that sign up, they donate a game to kids who can't afford their own. Now, people are always asking us about new games we play and how do we find out about them. And this is a great way how. You can select between three featured games each month to choose from or just trust the experts and be surprised when it arrives at your door. And as a special promotion for Meredith Board Games listeners, you can use the coupon code MARRIED at checkout for $10 off any new subscription. Shipping and taxes are included in the subscription price. Sign up today at unboxboredom.com. That's unboxboardom.com. I hear the bells. I can hear the bells. That means it's time for some Game Night Grub. Mm. All right. So we've talked about recently, and this is an ongoing thing for me right now. I am kind of making a lifestyle change. I would, and there's some stuff going on about um, Joss Whedon has announced that he wants a no name to play Batgirl. And um, so, hey, I figure I'm a no name enough. And so... (laughs) 
Um, I'm trying to get in shape, get fit, and eat healthier to hopefully get in the right physical shape, along with a social media campaign to try to get the word out and hopefully reach Joss Whedon that I would like to be hopeful for this. But that means that I've, of course, I've got to snack a little smarter too. Um, so even talk- on game night. Yes, even on game night. And I've talked to Spencer about this and we'll kind of flip flop back and forth because I do, I mean, I know they're not as healthy, but there's some other snacks out there that are just like, man, they're so good. They've got to be mentioned. But today um, on this episode, I am going to be talking about something that is um, a gluten-free, low-carb snack, and that is cheesy cauliflower bread sticks. I said it like that because I did air quotes (laughs) around bread, because they ain't no bread in here. Um, All right, so for this recipe, uh, this is from joecooks.com, J-O cooks very simple ingredient list here so the recipe that she published she actually admits in her blog post that accompanies the recipe that um, this yields enough for two um, big things of this because she says you can make a pizza crust out of one and the cheese breadsticks out of another one so I just cut it in half because we didn't want all that much. So I will be reading to you my altered version of the recipe. So um, it was two cups of riced cauliflower. That's equivalent to about half of a head of cauliflower. Um, Two eggs, uh, two cups of mozzarella cheese, one and a half teaspoons of oregano, two cloves of minced garlic, and just like some salt and pepper to taste. And what you're going to do is you're going to want to, the way that she puts it, you're going to want to rice your cauliflower. Um, Now, she says you want to use a food processor, which we do not own. (laughs) So what the way that I did this was um, I chopped up my um, cauliflower florets because I didn't buy a head of cauliflower. I bought a bag of cauliflower florets from the deli section and measured out two cups And then I just um, chopped up those florets pretty good. And I put them in our blender and just pulsed them. And that was, it was hard to do because then you're only doing the stuff in the bottom. There's stuff at the top and this is a, there's water in this product. So um, stuff sticks down in the bottom. So you may just want to do one cup at a time as you do this. Um, But you want it to resemble rice. You don't want it to get all mushy and too fine. So once you do that, you're going to actually place your cauliflower in a microwavable container with the lid on and microwave it for about 10 minutes. Um, Then you're going to pull it out of the microwave, remove the lid, and you're going to want to let it cool down because immediately you're supposed to put your eggs in, but you don't want your eggs to start cooking once they hit the hot cauliflower, which is something that can happen. So, um, May let it cool a little bit, add your other um, ingredients first. So that would be one cup of your mozzarella, save your other cup for later, your oregano and your minced garlic, Um, throw in some salt and pepper, definitely do it because I forgot to do it and I um, ended up adding it on top of it right before I put it in the oven. And um, once you feel like it's cooled enough that it wouldn't hurt your eggs, put your eggs in there and mix that all together. The only way that I could think 
to mix this well at that point in time um, was to use my hands. <laughs> I, I was juggling girls, uh, both of my girls, trying to get them ready because we needed to be somewhere. So I just stuck my hands in there and mixed it all up. And once I got it good and mixed, I spread it out on a cookie sheet lined with parchment paper. And you bake it in the oven um, for about 25 minutes at 375 degrees. Once that's done, um, you can immediately, if you're wanting to eat now, pull it out, put your second cup of mozzarella cheese on top, and then put it back in the oven for 10 minutes. Um, I had made this ahead because, like I said, we had a couple of things we needed to go do, and then Spencer was going to cook it later while I was gone to a class. So um, he put his cheese on it, and I or I put it in the refrigerator, still on the cookie sheet, and then he just pulled it out and put the cheese on top and stuck it in the oven for me. And it was good to go. And that's pretty much it. You can take your pizza slicer or whatever you use and cut it up into strips and it's great with marinara sauce in my opinion i dipped it in some marinara sauce spencer what did you think of this um i preferred it not in marinara sauce for some reason i don't know i just i think which that, is kind of unusual for you it is i think that the mixture i think and it wasn't just straight marinara it was like a special like well garlic. this is spaghetti sauce we didn't i didn't have like pizza sauce yeah um, I think this is definitely a good substitute. Um, if you're not going to have, if you can't have bread or if, you know, you can't, if you want to not, if you want to cut out the bread, then this is definitely a good substitute. Obviously for me, I'd prefer the bread. Um, and I think the thing that I didn't like about it, I liked, I liked the taste. The flavors were good. I think for me, it was a texture thing. Um, yes, I knew this was <laughs> going to happen that if I even told you there was cauliflower in it, you were going to not be happy no no like i said i'm proud of you for eating as much as you did i ate i ate everything i was supposed to eat and like i said it tasted good you did a great job with it i mean i don't see how else you could have done it i think just just by the fact that it being cauliflower Mm -hmm. and not bread (laughs) (laughs) um so again it tastes good uh just a personal thing for me is i didn't really prefer that that texture for it but other than that again i think it's a great a great recipe and a, a definitely a a strong contender for a possibility for, for people that would like it. Mm-hmm. And, and what do you think about this for a game night? For a game night? Um, you know, if you chop these things up into little, you know, little breadsticks or whatever, um, you can, they're not, I think they're fine. Yeah. You might just they're, need a napkin. Yeah, they're a little, it's not that they're greasy, but there's just something about it that leaves some kind of residue on your fingers. Yeah. It may mm-hmm. just be water. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Excreting from the um, cauliflower. Mm-hmm. That's what you love to hear for associated with food is excreting. Excreting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or hey, maybe if um, you don't care too much about your calorie count, it's your carbs. Go ahead and get a little ranch dip in sauce if that's your thing. I know there are some people here in the South that we like to dip our pizza in ranch. So maybe you would like that. That's so weird. But like I said, this lady also uses for pizza crust. So Mm -hmm. you can build a pizza on top of it. Yeah. Um, I think if there were pepperoni on it, maybe some sauce mm -hmm. already on it, maybe I would like it better. Mm -hmm. Like she said, she made it with chicken. She put some roasted chicken on there. Um, But I input all those ingredients that I listed to you guys into my fitness pal. And um, as a recipe and put it as 10 servings. Now, sure, yeah, the strips were not all the same size, but there were 10 strips. 
and they were roughly 52, 53 calories a piece. And that's with cheese and... So if you eat five strips, that's, what, 260 calories? Don't ask me. In a dinner? <laughs> I'm the one that put it in my fitness pal. Let me look. 259 calories for five for five strips. So, I mean, not too shabby. Yeah. If Now, one thing I will say, since she did say this was a double recipe, you could, hers on the joecooks.com website, that you could split it in half. You know, when I looked at that, our cookie sheet, we had plenty of room. I could have made more. Yeah. So if you have a big group and you think that a lot of people are going to eat this, go ahead and make that double recipe yeah. and fill up your cookie sheet. I see this being as a good like display thing. You cut them up and then you put them on a plate in a circle and then put a, a thing in the a middle with sauce, sauce in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean... Like I say, we're trying to go for, I was just trying to go for something healthier. And um, I think we did that. It was filling. It um, wasn't overly messy. Simple to make. Um, simple ingredient list. So uh, that is cheesy cauliflower bread <laughs> sticks <laughs> from joecooks.com. All right, moving right along. Let's get to our topic of the week which we mentioned was our favorite games for large groups, large groups being five or more players. Right. Uh, my, I'll talk about my criteria for this list and you can talk about yours, um, was, you know, lots of games can go up to, you know, six or seven or eight players, but that doesn't mean they're right for that player count. So I'm looking for things that aren't very difficult, things that aren't necessarily really long uh, something that's that's more fun in a party-style atmosphere. Now, I, I didn't call this party games mm -hmm. because party games has kind of a, at least in in the board gaming community, can have a negative connotation because you start to think of things like you know, Cards Against Humanity and, and, Scattergories. and Joking Hazard and those kinds Taboo. of things. Yeah. Uh, so we're staying <laughs> away from those. Phrase. These are still gamer games, uh, but again, they are games for large groups. Do you have anything else to add for your criteria? I would say that one thing that I really thought about, especially when it comes to playing with large groups, is something that I think about when we are engaged with a large group. Um, usually we're not playing with a whole bunch of hobby board gamers. True. So um, I try to look for games that might be easy to grasp mm -hmm. for those people who don't game as often. Yeah. Even uh, Maybe they are hobby board gamers. They just don't get to play that often. Or they like it and they would like to get into hobby board gaming let's let's start out start out with something simple but different from those other party games that they are so used to yeah that's good criteria Thanks. love it thank you all right um so we actually have quite a bit of crossover on our lists um to the point to where we almost should just do one but there's different rankings and we at least have one different game on here mm -hmm. so uh let's start i'll start this time I'm with my number five because I'm not going to talk about it till later because yeah. it's higher up on Laura's list. So uh, my number five, my number five favorite game for large group is higher up on Laura's list. Okay. So my number five is the one on my list that's not on your list. Correct. That's One Night Ultimate Werewolf from Bezier Games. Um, again, like I just said, I like it because it's fairly easy for people who aren't heavy into the hobby to pick up on. 
but it is something different that they don't usually play. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, it's kind of like murder in the dark or assassin. Or mafia. Or mafia. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe, but not totally. This has more components to it, or not physical components, but gameplay aspects that they may not be used to. So um, that's something I like about it. It's easy for people to pick up on. It's a quick game. Um, doesn't take too long. And, it's got uh, a cool app. It's fun. That app is a lot of fun. Yeah. You can pick your different background music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think the thing that is really successful for this game is the fact that, you know, you do have that moderator through the app. Thanks, Eric. And they tell you exactly what to do if you are this. So you don't have to remember what your special ability is. Mm-hmm. Um, they put It goes right in order. I think, you know, without the app, you know, we've played Ultimate or Ultimate Werewolf Deluxe Edition and that's fun, and I do enjoy that for different occasions, but for sheer simplicity, uh, keeping everything in line, definitely when an Ultimate Werewolf is, is a, has a good place on your list. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that's a good one for a large group. So that's my number five, One Night Ultimate Werewolf from Bezier Games. And let's... Oh, never mind. Okay, and my number four is Lara's number four. Yay! So I'll go ahead and talk about this, yeah. since I didn't get to talk about my number five yet. And that is Flick 'em Up! Whee! Um, from pretzel games we love flick em up um this is the one where it's like a wild west shootout mm-hmm. and uh you're flicking these little discs it's dexterity it's dexterity you're flicking discs to it which takes place as you know it's like you're shooting each other yeah um, little wooden meeples. little little wooden meeples on the table and you flick a disc at them and if they knock if you knock them over they get injured <laughs> and um then you also you're flicking a disc and that's how they move mm-hmm. so wherever you flick it and it lands that's where they move to but if it hits something your movement is all messed up you can't you have to go back and start over um there are different scenarios so it's not just a shootout and you different can, ways to lay out your play area yeah they're different it's almost like a an old west movie lot you know you've got the 2d <laughs> buildings that you put cardboard up cutout yeah. cactus yes and so you, you put that you set that all up and so you're flicking discs around you're there are pieces going everywhere hats are flying in the air and and you line up your shot and you miss or you hit and then everybody jumps up and cheers this is a <laughs> great large group game a lot of fun um and we enjoy it every time we play it and every time we play it, we go, man, we need to play this more. <laughs> we do. In fact, hey, let's play this again. We need to play this again. Yeah, because you can play it two-player. You can. Um, and there are a lot of expansions for it that we have not looked into. I mean, we haven't. None of we, them. Have, we want them. Yeah. But we just haven't. We haven't done them. Like one that adds tomahawks that you flick, or one that adds, um, I think, a Gatling gun. Maybe I don't know <laughs> something like that. Or horses. You can ride horses in some of these expansions. So. A lot of fun, and we really recommend the, the, the production quality on this game. If you get, because they made a, they made like a cheap plastic version, but, and you know that's fine if that's in your budget. But from what I hear, that one's not selling as well because people buy it for the production quality. Well, that and the fact that we're saying it's dexterity based mm-hmm. and you're you're thumping and whatnot, those plastic pieces are just not going to work the same way that right. the wooden pieces would. Right. So if you can get your <laughs> wooden pieces, uh, wood. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can get a ha- get your hands on a copy of Flick 'Em Up, uh, we definitely recommend it. Uh, it's great, a great theme. Not too many Wild West games out there. And this is this isn't a super serious one. It, it's pretty fun. Yeah, great because you you team up and cowboys versus bandits. Outlaws. Yeah, yeah. it's great, great fun. So uh, our both of our number fours is Flick 'Em Up from Pretzel Games. Okay, so moving on to number three. 
my uh, number three is your number one. So yeah. I'll just I'll just hang tight. Okay. And I'll talk about my number three, which is not on Laura's list, and that is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. So this is another um, you know, kind of a, a hidden role social deduction style game where um, you are one person plays the forensic scientist who's trying to lay out the clues and and everybody has these pieces of evidence in front of them and one person's a murderer and while everybody's eyes are closed the the murderer chooses what their key evidence is and their means of murder so like the murder weapon and then something else and so through the use of these different tiles the clue giver has to kind of lay out a story of how this murder happened and everybody else is trying to deduce based on the clues in front of everybody, who this per- murderer might be, who whose clues fit into this little narrative that the that the uh, clue giver is giving, and and I really enjoyed this one. Um, there, I mean, this is one that we play back to back games of. You know, we'll play a game. Okay, let's play that again. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I want to be the forensic scientist this time. There, there are times when it can kind of fall apart because the clues that you have at your disposal, because you don't always get to pick exactly or the clue giver sorry the, the forensic scientist has these tiles and something on that tile may not correspond to what the murderer those, picked those tiles for giving the clues they are terrible so sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't <laughs> and so the the different stories that everybody tries to come up with trying to work these pieces of evidence into to correspond with what the clue giver has given is hilarious so that's why I kind of didn't pick this one mm-hmm. is that a your murderer if they want to be really good at this they have to pick a um means of murder and trace evidence that are like no way related mm-hmm. at all they also need to look at what the other players have and try and to maybe throw, try to yeah. pick something that's similar to what they have i mean try to throw suspicion yeah yes but then Conversely, your forensic investigator needs to be really good at storytelling. Like mm-hmm. you said, they have to create the story around what happened here because, yeah, you've got like this knife and a bouquet of flowers. Those are your means of murder and your trace evidence. But your tiles laid out to give the clues are things like what was the weather like? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of um how did this person die? Mm-hmm. Um murderers uh, uh personality. Where was the where was the tra- yeah, the personality. Uh where was the trace evidence located on the body? Like yeah. different things like that. So they have to construct a murder scene in their head that these two things fit into. Yeah. Um yeah, so I I I find that very interesting, and I really enjoy it, and we, we've had lots of fun with it. In fact, it's one of our most, on our our plays, our app that logs our plays, it's one of our most played games. I think because immediately afterward we go, oh no, that was terrible, let's do it again. Let's try to do better. No, it's because, oh, we had so much fun, I want to do it again. <laughs> um, I'm excited though, because I'm bringing this out at our lunchtime game time at work this week, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so that's... Deception, Murder in Hong Kong from Gray Fox Games. Well, look at this. We're at number two, and we both picked the same thing We've synced up again. We both picked uh, the same <laughs> game for number two, and that is... Bang the Dice Game. Bang the Dice Game, another Western yeah. uh, game on our list. And uh, we've talked about this one many times before. This is just... 
it's just fun. And again, it's something that people can pick up on pretty quickly. I've I've done this one at lunchtime game time, and it went went over very well. I do have to say though, it's been really funny. The last several times that we've played, it always turns out that the person who's new to the game is the sheriff. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. The sheriff has been targeting their deputies. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened in quite a few games we've played recently. Mm-hmm. Don't know why. I so, thought we explained it yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, so basically there are three different factions, or four, kind of. You've got sheriffs, deputies. You've got a sheriff, deputies, outlaws, outlaws and, and renegades. renegades. And they all have different objectives, yes. which I love. And then on top of that, you have a specific character who has a specific... Special ability. ability. And a funny name, like... Yeah. Rose Doolin. Yeah. Or, um... <laughs> I don't know. Um, and said, but also those those different um, factions, with the exception of the sheriff, are hidden. Mm-hmm. So you don't know who the deputy is. You don't know who the renegades are. Or, right. Um, and so the sheriff might accidentally shoot one of his deputies, thinking okay. that they're the... I can see maybe shooting them one time. Mm-hmm. But... Killing, gunning them down. If they see that this person is constantly healing them, then yes. Then maybe you shouldn't kill that person, dude. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's very simple. You're just throwing dice. We love rolling dice. And, um, you you know, it's like Yahtzee style. You roll, keep what you want. And I love how we all go, oh, arrow. Yeah. Uh, You've got arrows. You can get shot. You can heal by drinking beer. You can shoot, use a Gatling gun all through the use of these dice. And it's a lot of fun. Again, this is another quick one that goes by pretty quick. And um, we have fun with this one every time, too. Yeah. So that is Bang the Dice Game from Repos Productions. Okay. So. I'll do mine. Why don't you talk about. Okay. So my number one, which was Laura's number. Uh, oh yeah okay my number one which was lars number three is masquerade um this one is a is another again these these big big group games tend to be the social deduction some kind of element of deduction to them and so that's what masquerade is it's supposed to be like everybody's at this ball and you everybody has a role but you're passing these roles around through the use of your their hidden roles even to you exactly (laughs) Pretty much on almost any given turn, you don't know who you are, but you try to invoke the power of this the special of this person, and someone can call you on it. No, I don't think you're the judge. I'm going to say that I'm the judge, and then you reveal your card, and whoever actually is a judge gets to do the power, and then if you're not the judge, you have to pay a penalty, and just goes around, and you have to gain money, and there's a lot. It's just chaotic because nobody knows who they are, and you've got and then you've got people who can switch those cards around. Yeah, I mean they're tricky. It's a it's a lot of fun, very well done uh, style of game, very very good artwork on it. Yes, um, it's gorgeous. And again, a ton of fun. I love this one, and and this one wouldn't have been on my list if we hadn't played it at FallsCon. It it kind of brought it back up to the forefront of my mind, um, and just how much fun we had. We 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 laughed, especially. I think this one's definitely better in bigger groups mm-hmm. uh, because that just adds more chaos and more uncertainty to who 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 is who, and that one was just a blast to play. So my favorite game for large groups is Masquerade, also by Repos Productions. 
Okay, so then that brings us to my number one, which was Spencer's number five. Speaking of social deduction, <laughs> man, this is about as deductive as you can get. And that is Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space from Osprey Games. And this is the ultimate edition. This the, is the one that has yes, the... we have the ultimate edition. This is the one that has the, the flip books, the laminated mm-hmm. sheets. So what is this game? Um, all right, so this is a game that, again, it's got some hidden um, identities. You've got humans, and you've got aliens. Um, you are on a, basically like a stalled out ship, and aliens are on board. And you are wandering around the ship trying to find the escape pods um, as humans. And aliens are wandering around the ship trying to find the humans to eat them. Mm. Um, these... You've got several maps in these books that we've got, um, which I think there are even some other maps you can just like print off of mm-hmm. online. Um, but what you're going to do is like humans have one particular starting spot and aliens have another particular spart- starting spot. And um, humans get to move one space at a time, but aliens can move up to two spaces at a time. And um, you just go around the table and um, you write down in your book. What, where you're moving to, and then you draw a card. Um, if you are landing on a space that is colored gray, and that card might tell you you have to actually name the coordinates of the spot you landed on. It may tell you to name the coordinates of any spot on the board, or it may tell you um, silence in all sectors. So then you Which don't means give you don't have clue. to give anything away. Um, same for the aliens. As you move your spaces, um, those different things and can apply to you as well. And like I said, the humans are trying to move toward these escape pods. The aliens are trying to intercept them and eat them. And um, it's a fun time. Yeah, I like that if you get eaten, you become an alien. You respawn and, in that yeah. starting spot, and then you start hunting down and some humans. I also like that it's not like teams. So yeah, the aliens win if they eat all the humans. But the humans are just like every man for himself, dude. Like, I'm going for that escape pod, and I'm going to cut you off. Of course, they don't know if they're cutting somebody off, because they don't know You don't know where is. anybody is. So you're just getting to that escape pod as fast as you can, and... Sometimes when you draw that card for the escape pod, it might be broken. So that's the thing is there are things that can make this game even more mm-hmm. than what I've just described to you. Because um, isn't that an optional thing of playing, the, of drawing cards? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, you always have to draw the cards. For the escape for, pods. For this. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's for the escape pods, the drawing the cards, that thing is optional. Mm-hmm. So there are plenty of things that can make this game even more than what I've just described to mm-hmm. you. Um, and one of those things that Spencer just talked about is there are these cards that correspond that are for the escape pods. If a human player lands on an escape pod space and they are attempting to escape, you can add these cards into the game that they have to draw from this deck. And if they get a red card, that pod is broken. <laughs> so you've just let everyone know where you were. And you did not get away. Nope. <laughs> so now you need to run for your life because everybody's headed your way. Or you can get away and go, haha, suckers, go find your own pod. Because what if there was another human about to go get that pod? Mm-hmm. That would be the worst. Yeah. And then also those other cards that you've been drawing whenever you land on space have items too that you can use. 
Yes, you can add those items um, that do different things. You can also add like special roles yeah. for your humans. Like give you a special ability. Um, that each of them have like one a one use mm-hmm. special thing that they get to do and so yeah that's really great for you know starting out at a basic level for you know the uninitiated and then keep adding those layers to it and make it an even more fun game but again this is another one that we've played this is at the top of our you know most played we get this to mm-hmm. the table a lot and it's always a hit yeah um, and so that's why i picked it as my number one can you play up to eight people um definitely definitely recommend it as higher you know at least at least five yeah uh, for it to have for it to be really fun mm-hmm. and that's escape from the aliens in outer space from osprey games all right so hopefully you have some ideas maybe for your next big game night and um again we we stand by all of these as excellent uh five plus player games so we hope you have the same kind of experience with them. If you have a favorite large group game that you'd like that we didn't mention that you'd like to tell us about, let us know. And how can they do that? We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash married with BG. We have an Instagram account at married with BG, as well as a Twitter account at married with BG. Uh, we have our email, which is married with BG at gmail.com. And you can find all of those things on our website, marriedwithbg.com. Yep. So if you want to say hi, whatever, let us know. I did last episode say I would like some ideas for my blog that I write. And uh, a very nice listener sent me some ideas. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get on these next week. You know what I didn't do? You did not didn't get, get on those. That. So I apologize. We also um, said that we were going to like connect our Pinterest page. Yeah, we need to of... do that too. <laughs> Uh, so I apologize. Sorry, guys. Um, last week was just very chaotic. I was in Tech Week for a show that I was directing, and so. Um, but hopefully, I'll get to some of those ideas here pretty soon. Um, do you have anything else for this episode? That I've I've given it all. You've exhausted it all. Yes. All right. Well, in that case, this has been episode seventeen of the Married with Board Games podcast. I'm Spencer, and I'm Laura. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.